Hey, everyone. I'm happy that you came back to listen to the SBP podcast, Mobile Filmmaking. I'm Susie Botello. I'm your host. And you are listening to episode 93. So I'm going to share a secret with you, but this is not my secret. This is a secret that has been hold on to or held on to for a number of years. Um, our guest is Michael Harlow, and he is from San Diego. He shoots travel videos using iPhones. But way back before our inaugural International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego, I think it was probably around 2011, Michael gave me a call. We set up a phone call because he reached out to me as the uh, mobile filmmaking guru in San Diego. And uh, he reached out to me and shared this incredible story. Now, he did warn me before he shared it with me um, that I was not to share this because this was a big secret and no one knew about it. And he was he he wanted to keep it that way for a reason, which we'll share in this podcast. And so I am really excited to share um, our guests. Um, We recorded this the other evening, and I am telling you that the vibe and the energy of what we're going to share with you uh, was alive and kicking at the time that we were recording it just Even though I had heard this story now for the second time from him, it was still really exciting. But I wanted to share it with all of you um, because it's a big part of how I met Michael Harlow. And um, because I think you'll get a kick out of it. And who knows, uh, one of you, someone out there may be able to take part in this uh, little bit of an adventure. Um, But... Let's go there now and let's talk to Michael and Melissa. Welcome back to the SBP podcast. I am here with a couple of really cool friends from San Diego. They are the adventure travelers. They are famous for that. (laughs) They are Michael Harlow and Melissa. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good to hear from you, Susie. (laughs) Great to hear from you. Now, Michael and Melissa, I met before our very first film festival here in San Diego. Uh, And there is a mysterious part of the story with this that we're going to save for a little bit. Um, Just to keep you guys hanging. (laughs) It's a really neat story from Michael. And it has something to do. it's, It's almost like a modern day pirate story would you say michael yeah pretty much it's it's filled with intrigue <laughs> <laughs> yes um and uh and but melissa does voiceovers um as well so i wanted to talk to her but uh, their adventure travels just so you all know they shoot 95 percent at at the least uh with is it an iphone iphone mm-hmm. iphone yeah. 11 yep and we've iPhone gone all the way now. from like Ooh, an iPhone 4 all the way to the 11. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And you and you guys really do have a lot of really cool adventures. But let's talk to Melissa first because I'm really intrigued by her work in, um, well, we are in a podcast, but this is not a voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Melissa, how did you get started and, and was this your, how did you find your career in, in doing that? Well, uh, when Michael decided that it was time for us to fly the nest and go on his adventure. And I say his adventure because I promised him I would uh, when I married him. But um, we had to quit our corporate jobs and I was always in healthcare. Um, and so when we came back after two years of travel, which was uh, sailing across the Pacific and on our sailboat, and then we sold that and bought an RV, traveled around the country while we were traveling um, I heard a podcast and it's called the uh, RV Entrepreneur that we listen to all the time, which was great. It's this young couple that lives on the road and they talk about all the different things that they do to be able to make money on the road and how they deal with internet connections and meeting people and trying to do business, but yet still trying to live that free and simple life and so they had this guest speaker, Carrie Olson, and she is a voiceover professional. And she was saying that she started when her and her husband were um, in their RV traveling. And so I thought to myself, okay, I, you know what? I think I might be able to do that because I've done a lot of speaking in my career and um, I don't want to go back to the corporate world. After you've traveled for two years, you're a different person, you know? And True. so um, I thought, I think I can do that. So I just started doing all the research and there's a ton of, you know, equipment and technical stuff you have to know along with your, you know, performance. I didn't know anything. I did not know anything. And I'm telling you, I didn't know what a sound wave was or anything. So after all the research, uh, I just started. I just did it. I wasn't afraid to fail because, hey, you know, I'll just move on to the next thing if this doesn't work. But I was determined to do it because Mike and I want to still travel. We want to still film our little travel documentaries and we want to be free to pick up and go when we want to. And a traditional job, just you can't do that. So, um, there's a, I mean, it literally could be a whole different, you know, interview, but, uh, I have been successful and I've done sort of a non-traditional way of, uh, voiceover and it's all online and it's through, um, different platforms online. And I just, you know, I plunged in. And I don't know, I, I make enough money for us to, to live and continue to be simple. What kind of projects do you do voiceovers for? I just did a podcast intro. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, you know, a day or so ago. I do everything, literally. Um, I'm not too much into characters, but I do characters. Um, I'll play a doctor or I'll play a snarky teenager. Well, you did a whole um, book on tape, too. I did. Did a whole uh, audio book on tape called um, Wow uh, a cow a cow a, a mule a cow and five jugs of shine four jugs uh, wait what yeah how did so when you did a, a mule and a cow are you literally trying to sound like a mule or a cow or no, is this kind of no like a, this is a, a a true story about a young girl who lived in Tennessee and she ended up being sold by her father for. Uh, a mule, a cow, and five jugs of shine. And so it's her story. And, and because she's from Tennessee, and I do have that little hillbilly accent down in me, because that's where I grew hey, up. Hey, I have to tell you, this is the people all over the world are listening to this. Let's <laughs> let's make sure they understand what shine is. Okay, shine is homemade Moose liquor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, homemade liquor. And um, so, you know, that's the story of that. But I was able to use my own accent. I just threw it in there in the audition and they liked it. And so that's the thing about finding your voice. You just throw it out there and you just be yourself. And so um, I do 
e-learning. I've done, you know, lots of commercials, uh, uh, radio, um, YouTube advertisements, corporate uh, narrations, meditation, just a lot of things. Yeah. Everything. I'll do anything except porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like in our film festival where people ask, what, what kind of, um, like anything except porn? <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, do you, you know, there is a difference between just, you know, um, narration, like you were just talking about, because that's a little more, um, we're going into the videos, um, you know, documentaries, and also in movies. Have you done any narration in any films or documentaries that kind of stand out? Well, uh, just my own personal. I've done yeah. little short documentary type types of, um, you know, films, but nothing that would be considered, you know, of broadcast or whatever on Netflix or, you know, the, the history channel or anything like that. Um, yeah. but I try to, my, my influence has always been telling a story. And so for me, when we do our uh, travel videos, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm telling a story with my voice and, Um, that's, you know, kind of what I, I feel is important. So, and I'm also the, um, uh, brand spokesperson for, uh, a YouTube channel called Thought Temple and it's inspirational and they do meditation and, um, my goodness, we've done a project like once a week for since 2018. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's a learning curve. It's a definite learning curve. Yeah. I remember when I was in video production and we did a lot of videos and, uh, you know, you do the, the, the A and B, the, the two side script. Um, but there's also a column in the middle for the timing, you know, for the minutes that are rolling, because you're writing the script. Sometimes you are planning that and you have to know how much, when you're doing B-roll, right, on the video end, uh, you want the narration, and you have to time that according to, to the video. And sometimes it works, you know, it one way, uh-huh. right, where you're timing the narration to the B-roll, and sometimes the B-roll is more like a filler for the narration. So um, either way on that, it's something that you probably have encountered where you someone's telling you you need to pace this little paragraph to be this time to fit this time slot. I was just talking to Michael about this today because you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll get someone who, you know, is a novice at putting um, visuals together or a documentary or, or whatever it is. And they'll say, okay, here's the script and the, the actual um, visual footage is, let's say, two minutes long or three minutes long, but the narration is 10 minutes long. So, uh, you know, part of it's an education too about with your client to help them understand what and how it all works. So it's about 150 words for one minute of narration. So that's how you can, you can, you know, gauge it. So if it's a, you know, three minute uh, video, then, you know, you, you just do the math and that's how many words it's going to be. So a lot of it is just educating people about the timing. Cause you can't fit 10 minutes of narration into two minutes. It, I will tell them, no, I cannot do that. It's not possible. It's not, it's it, you know, it'll, not unless you put it on speed. Yeah. And it, then I'll sound like a robot and nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. But, um, when I was, when we were traveling and I was doing the voiceovers for our little documentaries on the iPhone, that's all I had. I would literally go into the back of the RV, pull open my closet, stuff my head into the closet. And with my iPhone, I would, narrate the entire video and, but you can edit your narration. Um, you can put text on your video to make sure that you're saying the right thing. And then you go back and you delete the text, you know, so it's not on the, on the film. And it was a wonderful way to, to begin to learn how to 
mix your voice and, and, you know, the visuals and the music and, um, all of that. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's almost, you're practically choreographing Mm -hmm. your, your voice performance to the visuals. Yes. And uh, along with that, um, I did a little storyboard for each little video I did because, um, it's a little bit hard to just go willy nilly, you know, to make a good story, as you know, it takes just a little bit of planning, but a storyboard can be a one pager, you know, what do you want to tell? What's the basic story? What do you want people to hear or learn? And then, you know, what's the beginning going to be? What's the meat of it? And then how are you going to end it? And then what's the music going to take you through? And, you know, how can your voice make what you're seeing on the screen just come alive or make you cry or, you know, make you feel something you haven't felt, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the audio is half the picture, Mm -hmm. but, but, um, it's also probably more, well, it really is. The quality of the audio is very, very important more so than the video. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also sets the tone for Mm -hmm. your story. Absolutely. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, did you, um, so after I met you guys after that first film festival, I spent hours and days and hours and days going into forums and things like that, looking for how can I attach my professional XLR microphone into my iPhone. And finally, lo and behold, I found the iRig. And I'm wondering if you found that uh, helpful or if you use anything like that to attach a professional microphone or if you're just because now the quality of just recording. um, I I edited a video uh, for a friend and I told him, I said, just send me just record it with your iPhone. Use the memo app and just make sure that you're close enough to, you know, to the microphone on your phone to do it. Mm -hmm. And I brought it into, you know, my video editor and it sounded great. Sounded like, you know, I mean, he was in a quiet place and all that, but it sounded great. Well, um, Mike and I, we like to learn from our mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) And don't we all love ups and screw ups. And so when we were, you know, gung ho and filming all the things that we were documenting them, of course, we didn't realize the wind, you know, and the cranes in the background and all of that. (laughs) But what we did learn how to do on the iPhone was to separate the audio, detach the audio and use that little, um, a snippet of your voice for something else that's not going to be so distracting and you can, you know, uh, cut off some of the wind noise or, you know, detach the audio altogether and just use music over it. So, you know, like you, um, if, if there's a part that just is a total flop, well, but the visual is good, you know, or the audio is good, but the visual is a flop, you know, it's blurry or it's, you know, just, not what you wanted, but for whatever reason, when we were narrating it, it sounds amazing. And it was just what we wanted to say. So you can use your little bits and pieces and, and just try to move them around and being creative. And that's part of, you know, just being the, the editor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, content is content and, and little pieces. I mean, you are a story is a puzzle, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to talk to Michael now. Hi, Michael. Hello. <laughs> I like we were going to get to you. I like listening to my we're wife We're very competitive, anyway. by the way, so <laughs> you not have more time than me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, well, I do want Michael, uh, listeners, the story that Michael is going to share, I feel like, I feel like I'm, okay, it's Lord of the Rings. Uh <laughs> But the story that Michael is going to share really is pretty intriguing. And there is a catch to this, and that is part of the mystery. And I'll let uh, Michael share how you're going to hear about something that not many people know about. Right, Michael? That's right. 
Yeah. I might and I know that when you that. told me, you practically had me sign a non-disclosure. <laughs> no, you didn't. But <laughs> but you trusted my, my integrity and in not sharing it with anybody. And of course I didn't. Correct. Uh, this is part of why I'm so excited that now, now that you, now that I get to share it, you're gonna share it to the audience publicly. Okay. All right. Well, it, it's all about a scuba scuba diving story. Um, I'm a scuba dive master, and I love wreck diving. And I got the opportunity to go to the um, South Pacific and do some amazing wreck dives. So on the first wreck dive, uh, well. It wasn't the first one, but it was uh, a wreck dive. I went down to about 80 feet, and on the side of this ship that was sunken underneath the water, there was a huge torpedo hole in the side of the ship. And the torpedo hole was about, I don't know, 20 feet in diameter. And um, I swam through that, and I had a a partner and another dive master with me. And we were scouting around, and we're looking at uh, you know, the interior of the ship and, uh, it was really nice and everything. And on the way out, the dive master went out the hole first and then my partner went out second. And then when I came out, I looked up and to the left and I saw this kind of shimmer, something kind of, uh, you know, grab my eye. So, cause it was really dark. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was really dark, but it was like, there was this weird shimmer to it. So I went over, uh, to where it was and I was at about, I was still at about 120 feet to 80 feet, you know, somewhere in that area. Um, and I started to, you know, use my, my BCD, my buoyancy compensator device to lift me up a little bit. And I had my hand up above my head, uh, just so I didn't hit my head, my hand on anything. And then, uh, I kept going and I kept going and I didn't understand what was going on. And all of a sudden, uh, it went totally black, like in an instant, it went completely black. And, but I was still going through liquid and I didn't understand what was going on. And I reached, was that scary? Did you at any point there think I could get myself into some serious trouble? Here? Oh, big time, big time. I, I, I still didn't understand what was going on. So finally I came to a surface and, you know, you can feel yourself, you know, get heavy again because I was no longer underwater. I was sitting above the water and I'm still 80 feet below the water. So I didn't understand what was going on. So I had a dive light on and I, you know, turned my dive light on and I started looking around and my dive light went out, but it was on. So I didn't understand again. And I lifted my dive light up and I was looking at my dive light and there was all this black goo on my dive light and somehow my hand just you know went down again like natural and my light went out again and I picked it back up and I started realizing that I was in like two or three feet of of oil so what happened is the oil sank you know came from the sunken ship went up into this little hole and then uh started filling the hole up with oil so you had water below you know two or three feet of oil and then this empty air chamber. So I, you know, I had my mask on and, and my uh, regulator in my mouth. And I definitely wanted to ensure that I kept my regulator in. And I didn't want to breathe any of this, you know, toxic air. So I had my wits about me. I kind of understood what was going on at this point that I was in oil. And so I took my dive light and I started looking around inside this little area. And it was probably one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. Before you, before, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> before you go there now, you're completely alone. I'm totally Did alone. You, yeah, and, the dive master. And nobody knew, nobody saw you go into this thing. So as far as they, you know, if they turned around, they were like, hey, where did Michael yeah, go? Yeah, they wouldn't know, right? they wouldn't know where I was at at all. No, nope. I mean, they and, probably and you had looked saw at my your... feet hanging down because, you know, the bottom part of my body was still, you know, uh, probably visible. Yeah. But I was. But this is while you were going down now that you're all the way down and everything. Then were you checking? I mean, did you have enough oxygen air? You know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, plenty of air for this thing. And uh, I wasn't going to, like I said, I, I knew at any time I could just, you know, let the air out of my BC and, and go down. So it wasn't, I wasn't 
afraid really for my life or anything, but it was, it was such a different element I've never seen before or felt or anything like that. So it was, it was completely mm-hmm. foreign to me, but at the same time I was, I don't know, it, it was just a trip. Yeah. Okay. So now you get to this place and it's still completely dark. Totally right? dark. If I didn't have my flashlight, I would have been hosed. Yeah. And could you feel now this place was filled with water or were you still in in submerged in water once you finally got through all the schmuck? So, yeah, the water's down below and then I'm in, in about, let's say, two feet of oil. So, you know, from yeah. my chest up to my, well, from my belly up to my chest is all oil. So, and anything below that is salt water. So anything wow. above my chest is all air, and it's like this toxic oil-filled air that's been there for 50 years. So, wow. you know, uh, it was just really freaky. Yeah. So now you – now okay, now – okay, thank you, listeners, for bearing with me. <laughs> <laughs> now you can continue. Okay, well, that's good because I calmed down a little bit. I was going to freak out. I still get panic attacks when he talks about this story. Well, I mean, for most uh-huh. of us, right? Yep. We're thinking it's like it's like going to to a long road in the middle of the desert with like half a gas tank, and you're thinking, "Well, I still got to get out of here." Right, right. You know, and I'm going into this void. I don't know where the the destination where this is leading me to. Right. You know, and it is underwater. <laughs> well, it, yeah. And like I said, I'm still 80 feet underwater, you know, so yeah. it's, it's not like I could just hold my breath and swim out and swim all the way to the top. I mean, I, I still exactly. had to exit the, the ship and, you know, go up another 80 feet. And that's a long breath hold. It's, it's that same sensation that, you know, when you watch movies from people in outer space. Mm hmm. And you're going, they're out there so far. And you think, you know, when they go outside and they, they, their line gets cut and they're just floating out there in the middle of right. nowhere in space. And you almost take a gasp of air. You're like, oh my God. Like, and it's that it same kind of feeling like when you're, yeah, it, it kind of does because once you're underwater, it just, it, especially very deep. Right. What you see below you is nothing until you reach it. Right. Exactly. So, wow. Okay. So now that you're calmed down, okay. if I haven't freaked you out more. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> so uh, now I got my bearings straight and everything. And, I, and I'm like, okay, this is a trip. This is something to- totally foreign to me, but I want to check it out. So I turn my flashlight around in my hand and I start looking around this void. And Everywhere I looked, I mean, every square inch of this, I was probably in a three foot high by about 10 foot by three foot long uh, room underwater. And in every square inch of this room were these crystals. And the crystals were like this, you know, when you when you see oil and it has that weird shimmer shine to it, it has, you know, all these different colors and stuff. Every Like the rainbow yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly. Every one of these crystals had that shimmer and just this weird uh, glow to it, you know. And I'm just like, I was just like freaking out. I'm like, wow, this is so different. I, I, I've scuba dived all around the world, you know. And this was the most impressive, crazy thing I've ever seen in my life. So I, as I was shining my light around, I see this big hole uh, behind me, you know, and I, and I swim over to the hole and I look and it's probably about two feet higher than where I'm at, but I could look inside the hole and there was this giant, giant cargo hold that was probably 40 feet high by 80 feet to hundred feet long. And every square inch of that cargo hold was also filled with these crystals. So these crystals were literally everywhere that there was air in there. And I was just like, holy, you know, I want to say other words, but holy right. smokes, this is just absolutely crazy. So knowing that I'm in a toxic environment that is full of uh, oil and uh, anything is, you know, a spark could, you know, totally ignite this whole entire place, you know, and it would blow up in a second. I wouldn't even know I was dead. 
So, but I wanted to get one of these crystals so bad, you know, so I'm trying to, you know, break off one of these crystals with my hand and I couldn't use my flashlight, you know, because I didn't want to, you know, create any spark or anything. And, uh, but I couldn't budge one of these crystals. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, salt, you know, salt creates crystals and stuff like that. But this, it was such a hard crystal that I couldn't break one off. So was the sh the the texture of the crystal was it uh, spiky, rocky, oh, spikes or everywhere. yeah, everywhere. Wow. So so when if you so what I wanted to do later on, and we can get to this, but uh, I wanted to go back and I wanted to take my camera, my iPhone camera, and other cameras, of course, you know, to document this. Um, and you could talk to me about the uh, the iPhone technology when we're, when I, I'm, I'm almost done. So anyway, the, uh, the spikes were everywhere. So they're on the floor, they're on the ceiling, they're on the walls. It, it's everywhere. So these crystals are, you know, just, they would tear you up if you were, if you tried to walk around inside there. So I, I had, when I thought about it afterwards, I had to formulate an entire plan of how I was going to go back and be able to film these crystals because, uh, you know, it, it's a really difficult task. You have to work with, you know, the depth. You have to work with the the oil, you know, getting oil on your camera. And then how do you get the, you know, the oil off your camera once you get into the, you know, the hole? Um, just all sorts of different things. And then to be able to get out and climb up and walk across that big giant void and, you know, explore that even further. Will you fall through the floor? Are these crystals you know, firm enough that they're going to hold your weight, just all sorts of different things. Now, this was, Michael, um, part of the wreck that you feel was undiscovered. Like there, it looks like there had been nobody there ever. Never, never. And so far as I know, there's never been anybody back because I constantly Google it and uh, try to find out if I, if anybody's ever discovered it again. And I've had some diver friends go back there, but they haven't gone into that hole. So they, so as far as I know, it's still undiscovered. Well, there's a lot of people. My dad was a, a scuba diver and, um, he actually even, um, at some point, I think he wrote like some book on, on this stuff, but around the house were things like shredded cannonballs from pirate ships <laughs> and things, you know, yeah. I mean, I was like, what is this, you know, or a, some, some very, uh, you know, like a door handle from a, from a shell, wow. you know, um, from, from like, I mean, way, all these things. And he went to Japan, he went to Greece, which he said, I remember he said that that was like heaven for him. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, when we were in Italy, you know, <laughs> you know, there, I lived there. Um, so with, you know, my family at the time, and I was just a, a teenager, I was like 13 or 14 and you know he'd leave me on this 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 rubber you know what do you those rafts right right, right. a dinghy like a dinghy <laughs> thing kind yeah. of yeah and he left me there. I, I mean in italy actually one time there was a there was a jellyfish that was bigger than the that thing oh, wow. and i went to dive in and i noticed this jellyfish huh? just surrounded this thing and i was like <gasps> Because my imagination went with me, and I thought, it's going to swallow me. It's like a hand, right. right? And you're in the middle of the hand, and I didn't want to jump in now, no way. <laughs> you know, in the water. Um, but I, I, it kind of freaked me out, and then they find, he and his friend came out, and they had, this was probably illegal, but on the cliff above, people were throwing coins, like making wishes and throwing coins forever, right. you know? We're talking about a country that is thousands, you know, and he came up with all these coins from all over the world from different times and everything, a bag full of them uh, that they collected. I mean, there were just all these things. But I know that there are people out there who make a living hunting for treasures uh, like pirates oh, yeah. uh, through diving spots. And now things are you don't just go looking for a paper map. Right. right. Uh, because you have coordinates and things like that. But how does that work with Google? Because I know you just mentioned Google. Right. Right. 
How does that work with Google with marking? Do you just go on? I, I haven't tried this, but you just go on Google Maps and hit the ocean with it, you know, and say, are there markers that people leave, leave there? You know, well, if how does that work? If it's a um, if it's treasure, they're not going to leave it on Google Maps. They're <laughs> going to hold that right, all to right. themselves. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we use, you know, lat- latitude and longitude coordinates all the time. But um, I have no idea well, like, okay, we found this, this, there's, you know, between this old boat that everybody knows about and this old sunken, you know, bicycle. Oh, right, right. I <laughs> somebody threw in the ocean. Yeah. I, got um, I would imagine that there are little markers of, of that sort somewhere. Right. And even that know? ship that I, that I dove on, I'm sure has marker yeah. on it. Um, because it's basically a World War II graveyard where I dove. And there's uh, ships wow. all over the place, and there were actual, you know, skeletons. There were their bones on the on the um, on the ship. When when I first went down, I found a jawbone, you know, from somebody that perished on the boat. Uh, there were bombs on there. There were tanks. There were you know all sorts of different things. So yeah. And so you, I know, I know when when you called me, I'm like all on the edge of my chair. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you when you called me, part of your reasoning for even talking to me was well you were talking about you know how you could damage cameras and so you know if you could film it on a phone you know you could put a phone into that kind of a risk without you know killing your wallet right exactly and one of the big things was when i couldn't get a piece of this uh you know one of the crystals um it really was to my detriment because when I came back and I was back in society in the United States, I contacted a whole bunch of, uh, you know, scholars and, you know, wreck divers and, uh, just basically anybody and everybody, uh, from petroleum companies to, you know, to everybody. And I said, uh, you know, I found this and I gave them the story and I, you know, I've, I have been published and stuff, but you know, how can I get, funding or, you know, do you know anybody that will fund me to go back there and do this? Cause it's a, you know, it's a, in the middle of the South Pacific and, uh, everybody came back to the same conclusion that they said, unless you have a piece of that crystal, nobody's going to fund your trip, you know? <laughs> so it was a real, it was a real shame that since I didn't have any, any physical evidence that it was really hard to go back there. So, uh, laying on your, on your thing, if I did go back and it was on my, cause I would be on my own dime. I was trying to find the cheapest, most economical way to do it. And like you said, with, without, uh, breaking the bank and and also the whole thing is, is how do you get a, an expensive or inexpensive camera through the goo of, you know, oil and then, unpackage it and then have it, you know, good enough to where you can actually use it and not have, you know, oil slick all over your phone or your, your camera gear. So, yeah. Well, and that has to do with the, the casing, obviously, but, but the, the, the ability for a phone to go so far up in altitude or, you know, so far down below, right? Right. below zero degrees um that's also a risk just um, like it is for humans also it can damage equipment right yeah and when i first talked to you and probably even to this date um the iphone cases or any phone case um can't withstand the the pressure of you know going down Mm -hmm. because you have to go a hundred at least a hundred feet to get into the rack and then you go up another 20 back to 80 feet so yeah, it's it's quite a bit of pressure on a phone or on a casing. So I don't think they have anything to this date that's gonna gonna make that. Well, we need to speak to Tim from Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tim. <laughs> it's like Wait, the I've got him on I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many companies out there now making things for phones. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that through your story in this podcast that, um, 
I mean, there's a lot of people making, you know, just with the lenses, right? right? With the anamorphic lenses and things like that, what they can do. But this could be another, you know, opportunity. And, you know, for any company, you have to mention profit. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of scuba divers out there that could, that would love to be able to go deeper and document things. How would, what kind of cases, so for regular cameras, right, uh-huh. they have cases that can go pretty deep. Right. I know they're super expensive. But if they can use that same technology, right, mm-hmm. um, or if there's someone that can loan you one, anybody that's listening, um, <laughs> that could loan you one or could, you know, agree to go down there with you, uh, signing a consent. Sure. <laughs> um then maybe there's a way to fit the phone into one of these bigger casings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a workaround somehow, some way that we can do that. It's just, uh, actually it's been so long since I've, I've dove that wreck that I've kind of, uh, you know, kind of. Well, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So we just got to keep the there, social distancing. <laughs> you want to sponsor us? <laughs> I'll do the voiceover. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, that would be just you know that would be just a, such a fascinating documentary. Oh, it'd be, yeah. it would be amazing. Totally. Yeah, it would blow people's minds. You know, and you know. I, what do you think that? I mean, do you think? that's something natural that forms from oil i mean or well from all the people that i've talked to uh there is a few different hypotheses but most of what they were trying to allude to is that it's a uh, that is a salt-based crystal um it could be but it's such a it's such an unknown uh i mean without having that actual crystal in my hand and without it happening Mm -hmm. um being tested, I, I don't know, but it's just it was such a unusual thing to see. Um, I don't I don't know. It's just it was crazy. We definitely got to get you out there with a, <laughs> with an iPhone or something. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I need like I a mean, little drill too, so I can cut that thing. So we'll see. Now I won't be by you when you're using a drill with the sparks. <laughs> exactly. I, Sorry, that's that's where. <laughs> yeah, even I'm afraid. Of but that one. yeah, well, you know there are robots too. Exactly. You know, maybe the robot. But I wouldn't want you to me listen to me here. I'm I'm all I'm all taking ownership of this whole thing already. Um, wouldn't want you to blow up the scene. <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. Uh, and there's there's so many cool things on that wreck that you know I wouldn't want to blow it up for you know just historical value as well but yeah yeah how does someone so th- there was a marker for this the ship obviously and we're not guys i mean if you're thinking that we're going to give out the location <laughs> you know you might as well just turn this off right now um only you know it and now i'm thinking like a movie like the uh, national treasure movie where you're going to be hunted <laughs> nobody's going to want that uh <laughs> What do you think the value, you know, of that? I mean, I love stories, you know, and I think this is just one story that that should be told. But what do you think the value of this could be with that story? I don't know. You know, what's what's so funny is um, monetarily value. I, I, I look at it as a dilithium crystal. I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan. But a dilithium mm. crystal is basically an energy source that, you know, transports the Starship Enterprise all over the world or all over the galaxy and everything. But what I'm thinking is, you know, this uh, these crystals were made from, you know, a few different things. They're made from pressure, from being underwater, for, you know, in uh, that depth. They're from the, the oil being pressurized and then the, the air. And then possibly the salt water too. So there's all these different things that are mixed together, and also there there's um, it was a ship that carried munitions on there. So there could be gunpowder in there. I mean, there, it could be all sorts of different weird stuff in there. So as it's compressed and it's been there for now, it's probably seventy years. Um, 
you know, what is that? What is it a new source of uh, energy? You know, who who knows? And with and without knowing, without getting this, I have no idea. Here's what I think. So I know I know for a fact that crystals are used for frequencies. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the value in this is scientific in the way how we are going to build use the technology that we already have with these crystals to create teleportation devices <laughs> that we really really need. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I like the way the missing link. (laughs) See, there's a movie right there. (laughs) Well, that's where it all started. You were just talking about Star Trek, and remember, you know, a lot of the technology that is used in the military began with Star Wars. Hundred percent. Yep. So, so I'm dead serious here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Let's transport. (laughs) Right. I mean, I just had a pizza today that I had to drive to to get. Jeez. <laughs> it should have been teleported. Can you darn imagine? It? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Melissa. I talk to me about your experience and how you set up this whole travel um, adventure theme thing that you guys got going. How did you even get involved with that? Whose idea was that? Well, I married into the idea. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, Michael, we met on match.com and one of the things he said on his profile was if you aren't willing to sail with me around the world, don't even bother. And so, um, I, you know, he's, he was young, hot. And I said, well, okay, I'll do that. Sure. And (laughs) really not quite fully understanding what I was, um, agreeing to. And so life went on, you know, we had, we had our, you know, Two raised our children, uh, they were blended. And so Mike started, what? you know, forming his plans in his head and these crystals, um, he, he, he discovered these before I met him. So these kinds of adventures were always in the back of his head. And so he wanted me to go with him, not just with something like this, but, to get a sailboat and sail around the world. Um, we made it about eight months <laughs> because it's, um, it was 10 months, high highs and low lows. Um, but epic, you know, epic and life changing for sure. Uh, and, but I, you know, wasn't quite ready to, um, dive all in, I guess, excuse the pun, but because, you know, I, I'm sort of a homebody. I like my family. and But if I would not have just taken the plunge, sold everything, quit our jobs, um, and just took the, the chance, I would never, ever have done any of the adventuring that we have. Um, and, you know, I would say... That it was a promise that I made to him when I married him. So I sort of had to honor that. Dang it. You had to. Did he make you sign something? (laughs) Oh, he has a way of just kind of, you know, bending your elbow. He's the the salesman, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the one one of the things that's uh, really, really interesting about your traveling adventures. I mean, you're. So it sounds like you almost went nomad, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but in the ocean. And if you like trees or anything like that, that you get to really <laughs> miss them. Um, but, you know, um, the adventures that you have right now, do you do, you do a lot of, um, do you go to other countries? I mean, outside of South America, right? Um, but do you go to other countries like in Europe or, or anything like that? Well, part of why we have this lifestyle and we, we have no debt. We have, we're down to one car. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Our, we have two cars in our RV. That's right. Our, our other car, we bought at an auction for $1,500. It's a um, four by four. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Uh, well, we've gone to the uh, right before COVID hit. We were in the British Virgin Islands and we did a whole I wouldn't say a documentary on that, but we did a video on uh, that. We did the U.S. Virgin Islands. 
Uh, we've done Mexico. We've done the South Pacific. Uh, all over Mexico, we've uh, I've probably been more places in Mexico than most Mexicans. I mean, I've I've literally gone all o- over Mexico. Uh, that was with business and with Melissa. So I think our biggest, of course, epic adventure was crossing the Pacific, um, leaving in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and it took us 24 days to cross. Um, just the two of us in that 37 foot sailboat, um, landing in the Marquesas, and just you know going from island to island to deserted island. Um, and wow. I know, really, I just. It, was just such a fantasy, uh, crazy. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I had a fear of water and Michael is a surfer. He's from the coast guard. And so for me, it was a whole different feeling of, um, I'm putting my complete and utter trust into him. He puts his trust into me. We were total equals right? because when I was on watch it, you know, two in the morning in the middle of the ocean, 2000 miles from land. It was me. I was, I was there on the boat and I was sailing the boat. Um, so, you know, he had to trust that the decisions I made were what they were supposed to be and vice versa. So, you know, all, it all goes back to, I totally trust him. I trusted judgment. Where did, do you, do you mind if I ask you? You can say no. No. Nope. But do you mind if I ask you um, where the fear of water came from? You know, I don't know because I grew up in San Diego. Um, and I, I just have never been a strong swimmer. Um, I I wish I was. I can swim, of course. You're but a good snorkeler. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's just the maybe not the fear of the water, um, but the fear of being lost at sea and that's your demise, you know, um, I think that's a, well, the number one fear is I think public speaking, but <laughs> other than that, <laughs> that one, I, I'm okay with that one. So now I'm across the Pacific. Okay. That's number two. Um, but you know, I had to really, I struggled with a lot of fears, fears of leaving my family leaving, you know, the children, um, leaving my career, I was a career person. And so, um, but once we, we traveled around the islands and, um, French Polynesia, we started talking about, you know, it's time to go home. And so we sailed our boat from Hawaii to back to San Diego in November, which was, um, big seas and lots of storms. It was, it was quite, uh, quite crazy. (laughs) There were, there were storms out in the Pacific Northwest as big as the United States. And I'm not. Well, and we're having like super storms now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're glad we did it when we did it because now the weather is so crazy. But we, when we bought our boat, we, we bought it for, you know, we just outright bought it. So when we came back, we sold the boat and bought an RV for, you know, outright. So we don't owe anything. We just keep taking the same pot of money and moving it everywhere. And so that was kind of my dream was to just take off and travel wherever the wind takes us in the United States. Because there's so many places that we've never been and and have not seen. So we went around North America for 10 months. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, you know, I I get to deal with, you know, a lot of my friends are all over the world now, right? Ah. And I've had people say, oh, you're in San Diego, you're in California. So um, I'm going to be in Texas. (laughs) So, you know, I'll just come over for lunch one day. What the heck? Because they're looking at it, you know, like in Europe or something, you know, uh, and I'm going dude, (laughs) like Texas is like, that's, I mean, yes, you can go from El Paso if you drive all day and all night, right? Um, Or most of the night. Um, I think it's like 16 hours or something like that, you know, but it's, it's not like, you know, and and the same thing with LA. Can I just go and come back like in a day type thing? It's like, well, the distance is not the big deal when you're talking about LA. <laughs> it's the traffic, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so there's all, all sorts of these things. But, yeah, we live, I mean, going cross-country in, in America, right, mm-hmm. 
It's such an, an extraordinary adventure. Um, even within San Diego, you guys know this. Wow. The topography out here is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go, I mean, I've said it on this podcast before, you know, you go to the dunes and the mountains and you can hit the snow and, um, you know, the dunes are in the desert. I didn't mean right, right. sound, you know, but, um, and then you can go to the beach, you know, and, and even the cities within the county of San Diego all have different uh, look and um, the, the types of buildings, the streets, you know, even the sidewalks, mm-hmm. the views, the everything is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. So imagine doing that all over the country mm-hmm. where you guys go. Are there any places that you visited that you you would, to me, it's San Diego. <laughs> there is no better place uh, than San Diego. But are there any places that you would say, you know, this is, if you're going to come to America, you definitely got to go here? I don't know. I We loved Alaska. We, Alaska was one of our favorite places that we've ever been. But it's a different, it's a different world for different kinds of people. So, you know, we're super outdoorsy. We, we love, I mean, we're hiking right next to grizzly bears and stuff. So I was just going to say, if you got to be okay with the bears. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a million, every, it's just like San Diego. Every place is different. You know, every place around the United States is so different in Canada. We went all through Canada too. So I don't know. It's, that's a hard one. Um, we took our RV to uh, on sort of a Southwest trip, I don't know, a year or so ago. Anyway, we went through Colorado when it was snowing and that was enough to change my mind. I, honestly, San Diego is the most mild temperatures. You know, you don't have those extreme highs and lows. And so, uh, I don't think there's anywhere in the country I would rather live. No. I really don't think so. I've thought it's about beautiful, it. I've thought about it a lot. And I, but even you know, I always come back to San different. Diego. You know, yeah. people are different. We're so chill and has such a different vibe out here. And we're so, um, oh, what's the word I, uh, I'm blinking for? Liberal. Yeah, it, it it is the vibe. It, it's definitely the vibe to just between different parts of California to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Well, we really are more relaxed. We really don't. We're, we're not that heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still talk you like know? a surfer and I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you see people that are willing to, I mean, even, you know, hitting 80 and they're skateboarding oh yeah you know and and riding bikes and you know just kind of cruising along on a scooter or whatever i mean it's just it's it's a great place i love san diego there's there's no place other than san diego that i'd rather be you know what i mean i really just love it and i've lived in different parts of san diego from beaches to mountains to you know, different. I'm, I, I adapt easy, but I, I grew up in the military moving all the time. Right. So that made me, you know, adapt, which is great com- considering the world that we're living in, where if you're not able to adapt, you're just going insane. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, just before we close off here, um, what adventures did you experience when you were filming with an iPhone and you're out there? How many times did you run out of battery power? How do you do that? Oh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> a hard one because we have backups to backups. So when we go travel, I have my iPhone. Melissa has her iPhone. We both have iPhone 11s. And then we both have uh, battery packs, you know, uh, so when mm-hmm. we're, you know, off doing whatever. And then on top of that, we're typically on a hike or doing something adventure So we're running a bunch of apps in the background. So, um, yeah, we have to constantly stay up on that and we just charge our phones and we have a, you know, a couple battery backups and our backpacks get really heavy. And we put a cell phone booster, uh, signal booster on our RV too. And that helps when we're kind of in the back country a little bit. And we're trying to upload videos or something. Yeah. That helps a bit. 
Yeah, because you're probably uploading a lot of stuff to your Instagram account, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> my Instagram's not as, as popular as my uh, YouTube, but yeah, it's still pretty good. But the other thing, too, is if you also have an iPhone, but if you also have a MacBook or an iMac, mm-hmm. you can literally take things off of your iMac desktop and put it into your phone so you can access things that are at home on your iPhone you know, to, to make your videos better, you know, whether it's whatever it is. So it's just the possibilities are. You edit all your videos on your phone? Not Uh, anymore. Not, I would say, uh, it depends. It, well, it depends on how quick we want to get it out. Um, the iPhone has really all the tools that I needed to get something pretty professional out, except, um, you know, now I would do a, a, more of a professional voiceover, but you can import that into uh, obviously the phone and do it if you wanted to. Um, so, but it has all the editing capabilities, uh, just the iMac or your Mac MacBook have a little bit more capabilities in your iMovie. And that's, that's what I used to edit. I don't have any, right. anything fancier than that. I, I still like editing everything on my MacBook mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to because I have it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, back when I met you guys, I would edit thing. I remember a splice. Yeah. Was yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would um, I would put, um, you know, a lot of my 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 little music from GarageBand or whatever. I would bring it into the iTunes and then old splice. You could just choose your audio from uh um, iTunes. Right. Remember iTunes? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and things like that. But yeah, I prefer a, a MacBook. Um, let me ask you as we close off, uh, one of each at a time so that there's no jealousy, <laughs> uh, um, to give an, an inspiring message to our listeners, um, who may be considering, you know, travel videos and uh we're not going to talk about scuba diving right now mm-hmm. but um i love your story but if they if we're we're gonna throw something on our links to you know your social media and things like that so that they can contact you because you never know who's listening and there may be somebody out there who's interested in um going in this big uh underworld uh adventure with you michael sounds good yeah, but if you had some advice, something inspiring to get people, um, you know, to go off in adventures and and um, and just just do it. I think one of the things that I got from the conversation with you guys is that if you want to do something, not to be afraid, right? That's a huge. Uh, that's the number one um, piece of advice that that I could give and. Right. Um, on my own uh, voiceover website, I wrote a blog about how I um, quit my job and became a voiceover uh, professional and how it changed my life, how I did that, the step by step. And the first thing really is to, if you're going to live a life like we do, if you want to go adventure, if you want to do it um, a month at a time, two months at a time, six months at a time or forever, you have to, this is going to sound rather, um, I don't know, technical or practical, but stop spending money on stupid stuff. That is the biggest thing that, um, the challenge that people have is this lifestyle requires you to be very minimalistic and, you know, not have bills, not have a lot of debt. And so, it took us probably five years to work up to the place where we were ready to go and had no, um, had nothing holding us back at home. Um, no stress about, we had to have a corporate job to pay for everything. We could live very meagerly and uh, with what we needed because we didn't need a lot. So that is really, uh, you know, how I explain it is to, um, stop spending money on stupid stuff and don't compare yourself to others because there's someone's a, always going to have a bigger always boat or, somebody's you know. going to have a bigger RV or a better YouTube channel or a better <laughs> video. 
uh, are going to be more, you know, um, making more money in voiceover or whatever, or, or you shouldn't be doing it this way or that way. It's your story. Right. You know, it's you. It And who cares about anybody else? It's you, what is good for you in your life at this time. And you're the one that has to write it and go through it and live it and, and reap the consequences, whether that's good or bad. So that's it for me. The biggest thing I would say is just go, you know, do what you want to do and just put one foot in front of the other. Uh, We saw a bunch of people down in Mexico uh, that they got to Ensenada and they stopped sailing from Ensenada and they never went south or people got to Mazalan and they, and they wanted to go around the world and they never left the dock in Mazalan. It's like, you know, just keep going. You know, we didn't know anything and we sailed across the Pacific, you know, I mean, we knew enough of course, but you know, uh, that didn't, that didn't stop us from going. Uh, you, if you have a dream, follow your dream. That's in, in, you got to keep, focus that you're following a dream. So don't get too comfortable, right? Never, (laughs) never. (laughs) Life is about change. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to, you kind of have to embrace that, especially in the world that we live in. You got to just, just go for it. Exactly. Um, I want to thank you guys for, for being in this podcast. I love the stories that you shared um, with our listeners and, um, and I'm intrigued again with your story, Michael, as well. Thanks, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say goodbye to our listeners. Bye everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for bearing with us and see you on the road. Woo-hoo.